I'm at the Cape Cod Symposium on Addictive Disorders. This is the 32nd annual CCSAD hosted by C4 Events. This is where I get my hands on the experts and the professionals in the field of addiction and mental health disorders. So you can have more help, more support, more connection to the information that is going to bring your family back from the brink of destruction, from these destructive habits, these destructive patterns. I'm Aaron Huey. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. If I don't start this by asking how you pronounce your last name, I'm going to totally screw it up. So Gregory, how do you say your last name? Well, I say it how I was taught to say it. Kufakos. Kufakos. Yeah. Is there is there another pronunciation that you should be saying? No. Okay. That, that's that's the way it goes. <laughs> I met Gregory yesterday. He walked in the room and the, the energetic charge between us was instantaneous. It was mm. potent, palatable, and powerful. Mm. And of course, as we started to get talking, um he said uh he said things like, um, I can get through to your twenty-two year old. And to hear that from any clinician out there, it's like, you know, I know I can, I can walk into your kid's basement, your 22-year-old kid's basement, who's smoking pot, playing video games, and eating the fish or the chicken sticks that, that mom or dad has microwaved him, and, I, and they will walk out with me. And that's a tall order, except if you have a moment around Gregory, you go, yeah, you could. It's, it's not denial. So before we talk about all these letters after your name, yeah. I want to know um, what this is that you have that can pull the kid who's 12 hours of video games, very little sleep, not eating well, no social life. How can you pull them out? What is it that you've got that other clinicians are missing that you would, because you and I talked off mic that, that you're, you're struggling to find a way to get this down to train them. Yeah. To language it. Yeah. To language it. So what is it that you have? So I guess since you struggle to language it, put it in words right now. <laughs> <laughs> start with the, start with the easy one. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, well, first let me tell you how I figured it out. You know, I, I'm somebody who as per the letters after the name, you know, I'm trained as a therapist. I worked in, all different levels of care of the substance abuse rehabilitation field, right? So I worked in outpatient programs. I worked in rehabs where people go for two weeks, for a month, for three months, for a year. Uh, worked with wilderness programs. And, you know, very quickly, like the, the kind of the short story is I received some incredible mentoring and it was my natural sort of predilection to get through to people, okay? But the thing was, once I opened up my own practice, my own, you know, uh, where we call like a private practice, yeah. uh, you know, none of the methods were producing change, okay? Yeah. And, and you know, that, that was consistent with what, uh, what, we already knew, which is that people do really well when they're in treatment and then they leave treatment and all the changes that have been made start to fall away. So what is it about the real world? How do we get people to have uh, success in the real world, right? So I, I failed, you know, for a long time until I figured out a very, very 
simple but powerful, uh, what do we call it, truth. And that is that as men, we are meant to be in motion. We are meant to be moving. We are meant to be in the world. So all how it started was I just took this guy like you just described and I just found a way to just get him out of the house and we were just, you know, whatever they could do, take a walk, go here, go there. And now we're in, we're in life and then things just started to happen. And from there, <laughs> the whole method started to reveal itself to me. Working in wilderness therapy and adventure therapy, yeah. how much is the wilderness and how much is the therapy in your mind, in your estimation of, of the changes that are inspired? So, so in other words, in current wilderness therapy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, which let's say there's a difference between wilderness therapy and therapy in the wilderness. And you are, you are so spot on because... When I started to work, you know, and visit wilderness programs, um, I was under the impression that it would be like it used to be. Uh, how it used to be is they took kids and they put them in harsh, hard nature, and they they had to survive. Right. That was wilderness therapy. It was. Okay. Today, it I find that they're moving more towards having therapy in the wilderness you understand why this is an insurance issue yeah, to be reimbursed right. they have to they have to do things that are evidence-based right and that means that you have to do a cbt group when yeah. you're sitting out around a campfire versus saying well you'll have a fire when you get one lit good exactly. luck and uh it's otherwise, getting dark yeah otherwise we're going to get cold yeah and that's it yes everything else that's the therapy that's the, oh that's the therapy yeah and and you know there's a big there's, we have evolved as a species, um, they say, like 4 billion years, and the driving force behind that was survival. And when you take survival out of the equation, you, you take a big chunk of what drives change. Yeah. And so uh, they, they have this uh, Maslow's you know, hierarchy of needs. Of course. And they say like, okay, if you, if you meet their security needs and if you meet their belonging needs, then they're going to start to figure shit out about themselves. Right, right, right. But actually it's the reverse. If they, if they start to learn to, to find their own security with a tribe, yeah. they are learning about who they are. That's right. They are actualizing themselves. Concept develops in, in that place. Exactly. But so now for me, uh, you know, there, there is the ideal and there's the reality, okay? So the reality is, and for the parents that are listening, I, I view our current 16 to 25-year-old or even more men as domesticated zoo animals. <laughs> it might be a lion, but you live in a cage. But you live in a cage. All right. You are being fed by the zookeepers. When you're hungry, they put it out every day at nine, every day at 12. If you, if they think that you want to play with a, something, they buy you the toy. You are completely dependent on that zoo. And yet beneath the surface, primally, you are a, a wild, powerful animal who is capable of 
incredible things, right? So how do we take that animal from the zoo and get them back into the wild? And I know through my own work with young men that that is not as simple as me going into that, that basement that you spoke about and saying, come on, let's go, well, let's get out. You know, you're gonna be responsible for yourself. It, I have not found that that works. And I wanna be clear about something. I am not interested in what I think about things, okay? I am, I am not here, and when I meet with parents and when I meet with professionals, yeah, I'm a pretty opinionated person. You know, I'm, I live in the New York City area. I know, you know, I can be very opinionated, but I'm interested in communicating about my direct experience working with young men, okay? My direct experience. So I, and I'm saying that because there, there's, again, there's this ideal, like, well, they should be responsible for themselves, but I've found a way of actually helping them be responsible for themselves. And it's not an overnight process. No. Okay. You used a term off mic uh, that I want to ask you to, to talk about and define in vivo. In vivo. In vivo. Yeah, in vivo. In vivo was a term. It's, it's from the Latin uh, in vivo, which means in life. And it was a form of therapy, um, mainly, I think, to help people conquer their fears. In other words, if you were afraid of flying, uh, we would start by you and I uh, booking an airline ticket and you're going to start to get anxious, but we conquered it and you got 24 hours to, you know, uh, uh, cancel the reservation. So, okay, we cancel the reservation. And then the next time we book the airline ticket and we go to the, the airport, right? And your anxiety is starting to go. So they used to, and they probably still do a lot of this in vivo. That's work. like some old school phobia work. Yeah, phobia. I mean, we're work. gonna we're gonna go look at a spider behind the glass, exactly. and then we're gonna go take the lid off the spider, and it's Boom. it's baby stepping exposure. through dysfunction. Yeah, yeah exposure. exactly. Exposure therapy. So that's where the term came from. Uh, but for me, what in vivo work means is that I meet with my clients one hundred percent in what I call the real world. Okay which means that they don't come to my office. They're not sitting on a couch. They're not sitting on a couch. Uh, and Talking about their moms. Nope, no. And there's a reason for that. Um, you know, again, this is something I learned through experience. But uh, when, when I got these men out of this therapy office and into the real world, I learned, I, I saw their growth. And it wasn't until I, I started getting results, like, I started to notice that they they had a little bit of a shine in their eyes and they got a little bit some of that some of that fire started to come <laughs> in their bones a little bit and you know you got to say, see the real them not this not this thing where they walk into a therapist office and they they know what to say you know they, there's a script that everybody goes yeah. by and so lo and behold I I started getting these results and then it wasn't until Later, like I started seeing, I'm not the only person that, that found that men do not learn, they do not communicate, they do not commune through talking. We commune through shared experience, right. through action, through right. challenge. That is what a man needs, okay? That is what he needs. I will get way more therapeutic growth going to a 20-year-old and saying, listen, for the next, you know, for 90 days, whatever, 
on Saturdays, we're going to meet. I'm going to meet you at your house at 10 a.m. And we're going to go outside and we're going to we're going to run or we're going to go to the store and buy some uh, some, you know, food and cook breakfast like doing. You're things doing we're doing. We're doing and we're sharing the experience, you know, so you're thinking about something. well I, like I, that. I when you and i were talking yesterday i had this picture of you um like like you said when you when you started talking about doing therapy in vivo and i had no idea what that meant but the, right. by my my inspired thought in that moment was i pictured you walking up these few steps to a brownstone ringing a buzzer yes some some kid comes down everything because this is your fifth or sixth session that's right and you're walking out to a park that's three blocks away and you've had a conversation on the way out and when you're out in the park you talk a little bit and um you know and the, the, the talk a little bit and maybe something comes up for him he starts crying i see you with your with your hand on his back yeah. and you know at some point you're gonna have to check your watch because you are on a schedule and you're walking back and you say goodbye and you see him next week and the difference between that and sitting on the couch yeah like like you break that down moment by moment that's massive yeah that there's no stagnation not yeah. not one point there's no um the the shallowness of breath would end mm -hmm. because because we're walking because you know there was there was in in my vision of you there's physical contact very yeah. healthy physical contact yes. hand on center of back stuff yes um and and while that would be basic while that would still be one of your introductory sessions right so what what next how far do you take this where do you go when when you decide a kid needs something how far do you go as far as they'll take it as far as they'll take it it's it's you and i in talking yesterday you know you and and it's interesting as you were talking i always lead uh with with a comment similar to this i tell these young men i say listen i am not here to be your, uh, don't think of me as a therapist. Dude, I'm just another man on the journey of becoming a man, okay? This journey that never begins, never ends, okay? I'm a little bit farther than you in some respects, I'm sure, but then there's other areas that I'm sure you're, you're farther than me. And we're gonna learn from each other. Right. We are on this journey together. So you and I, I hope, now that we've met, we're going to be on this journey for a lifetime. Yeah. Okay. And we're here to strengthen each other. You know, this life is, is a challenging, you know, uh, Aristotle said, be kind to every man you meet for we are all fighting a great battle. How do you get, let, let's talk about moms for a minute. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense to me mm. that women are ready for the traditions of abuse and violence mm -hmm. and aggressive uh, uh, um, words and looks and everything towards, towards women, they're, they're ready for it to end. Right. Because for the past, oh, I don't know, couple hundred thousand years, yeah. um, the, the, the legacy of violence towards women yeah. from the hands of man has caused more pain and suffering than, than, than we could give, give credence to right. that, that we could give words to. Right. 
So they're ready for it to be done. Mm-hmm. When, when the feminine draws the line, what I know about enabling behaviors is that when the mom, when the mother, the feminine of the family, mm-hmm. whether that's a male or a female, right. when they draw the line in the sand, they say, you know what, I'm done. I can tell you it's over. Right. Whereas when the masculine draws a line in the sand, uh, we would like to say that that's what it is, but it's truly that, that, that the feminine form and says, you know what, this is it, I'm done. Mm. But that becomes all inclusive. And anything that reeks of what men have done to women. Hmm. So for example, at a young nine-year-old boy, um, his his biological parents were um, very deep into uh, neo-Nazi and had started a gang mm-hmm. um, that, that robbed banks and robbed houses. And both parents were in prison. Um, the, the adoptive parents had brought me to him, brought, brought him to me as a, as a coach, as a kid coach. And the first thing I do is I take him outside and I hand him a throwing axe. Right. And we're throwing axes. And at the end of the day, I give him a wooden sword, mm-hmm. a, a bouquin. Right. And I said, this is yours. Here are the rules. You abuse it. You lose it. You take care of it. It's a weapon. All this type of stuff. Right. And you know, he goes home that night and he and his dad get into a rigmarole about some stuff. Yeah. And he takes that sword and he goes out in the backyard and he starts whacking on a bush and whacking on the bush. And the parents were horrified. Yeah. And they, they picked up all the dead branches and leaves and they buried them in the yard. And they held a ceremony and a funeral wow. for all these branches and everything. And then came back to me the next day, handing me the sword back saying, this was an inappropriate intervention. Our psychiatrist says this kid's going to one day shoot up his class. Mm. And... And I was like, my response was, this child is nine years old. Mortality is now real. And he's trying to understand the difference between good and evil because power is power. And he's got parents who've used it for evil and he wants to use it for good. But that means betraying his parents. Mm -hmm. So I gave him power and we got to see how he uses it. That's right. And they said, see, the thing is we're Buddhists and we don't believe in right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And I said, he's nine. Yeah. He does. Yeah. How do we get parents to disassociate from their own nervous system, their own reaction, their own abuse, Mm -hmm. when you show up and say, listen, sitting on a couch and having your son talk to me about his feelings about you is not going to serve any of us. I'm taking him uh, and we're going to head up and we're going to this axe throwing indoor place and then we're going on a hike and we'll see you in three hours. Yeah, that's part of, you know, part of the process is getting parents to let go and trust what I'm doing, right? Because I, I, although I've never done that, but I, I wouldn't be afraid to do that intervention. But um, yeah, you know, the parents, um, as much as possible, it would be great for parents to turn the mirror on themselves and do work on themselves, okay? Do you know what I mean by I that? I do. Yeah, so like for this, for this couple, you know, it would be good for them to look at what what they learned through their life about demonstrations of anger. Right. Right. Oh, I, I, I mean, just just your response right there. Yeah. You and I both know what they learned about demonstrations of anger. Yeah. They, you know what they grew and with. That, and that's right. And, and, you know, we're dealing with uh, we're dealing with a society right now uh, that we have a huge, huge problem with young, young men. We call men young boys. Boys, anger, huge problem. Violence. And guess what? Freud nailed it when he said depression. In other words, the kid that's glazed over, 
eating those chicken sticks, playing video games, glazed over, no life in his eyes. Do you want to know what that is? That's depression. And what Freud said, depression is, is anger turned inward. So that's, that's an extreme form of anger, that isolation. And you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So is it video games? These shootings? No, I don't think so. No, I think those, you know what that leaves though? Because, because when I ask that question and it's a setup because you know, other countries have video games and, well, and, and guns. Well, let me, let me preface that though. I do believe that what we, when you have a weak, I say weak, maybe the word would be open. When you have a blank mind, whatever you show that mind consistently, open, right? Consistently, that mind will start to right. mold. But when I was growing up, we played all those same games and we never had ever any of these shootings or uh, anything like that. Other countries have have uh, uh, guns and violent video games. I think I think one of the problems is that, and this goes into my work, which I, I talk a lot in the book, the Primal Method, which will be coming out sometime next year. Um, a lot of it is what we're telling our culture, especially boys, about this concept of quote unquote bullying yeah. and and being teased and being shamed. And we're living in an ultra, ultra sensitive society today where everybody is tiptoeing on tulips and walking on eggshells. And if if somebody says to you, hey, you your head looks like a melon, you're ready to like kill them. And it's like, I, I think a lot of the retraining is about helping people not take themselves so fucking seriously (laughs) and not get so stuck on this human form. And he called me this and they did this. And it's like, you know, again, I say it again. My goal is to help young men realize the power that they have inside of them. In that Gillette commercial, that, 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 that caused so much ruckus up and down. And I have, I've done shows on the whole thing about, you know, toxic masculinity and what is toxic masculinity. And one of the big um, issues that came up was when those two boys were fighting on the ground, mm-hmm. a, a man ran up and said, hey, we don't solve problems this way. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of people got mad. It's like, well, boys wrestle all the time. And I was like, right. That's, that wasn't wrestling, that was fighting. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between conflict resolution and violence. And there's a difference for us is that, and, and I saw there's a great video of a, of, a, of a Scottish man in England and he's watching this guy blow into this tube and spin this wheel and they're in, a, uh-huh. they're in a pub and the guy walks up and he's like, give me that. And he blows into it and it blows all this white powder in his face because he did it wrong and it's a practical joke trick. Mm. And he calls this guy the worst names you could possibly and everybody's laughing and he shakes his hand and walks away. Uh-huh. And there is a concept of bros to blows to bruise to bros mm. where, where you and I can be best friends you say something it, that uh, ticks me off right. I, I tell you so you tell me to take a flying leap we take some swings at each other and and it's resolved we shake hands and we go sit down and have a beer and we're friends again right and there was something about the whole resolution of that process that is not going to come through talking however violence is the ultimate disconnect mm-hmm. of humanity right so what is this thing in the middle of not completely feminizing the experience so that it's sitting on a couch and talking about her feelings, mm-hmm. but we're not violent with each other. We can be rough and tumble mm-hmm. and we might get hurt. There's a risk of that, but yeah. 
you said at the beginning or, or even off mic, you and I grow through risk. That's right. So how do we, how do we create healthy risk? Okay. Here's my challenge for you, okay. Mr. Master's degree. How do you create healthy risk in a therapeutic environment that's not just emotional? Yeah. That's actually physical and you get away with it with your HIPAA laws and your state laws. Mm. Wow. Well, that's a multi-layered question. It is because, but it's what you face as a therapist that yeah. your license is on the line. I don't, I don't fear. I don't fear that at all. I, I really, um, let me say this and I tell this to clients, you know, the riskiest, the riskiest thing that me and, and a young guy that I'm working with, the riskiest thing that we can do is to become connected to one another, to show our real colors right. to one another. That's the riskiest thing that we can do. And so my, you know, I, I don't, I don't even know if that makes sense to people, but you know, the whole goal, the whole, the whole goal is to move into an authentic relationship. Dude, you just put into words what Pink Floyd said during the wall. If I opened my heart to you, showed you my weak side, what would you do? Would you sell your story to Rolling Stone? There you would go. you take the children away and leave me alone? Yeah. Would you send me packing? Would you whisper down the phone? Do you love me? That's right. Right. Uh, that's what you just said. Yeah. It's about it's about showcasing. When I when I, that's why I view what I do as mentoring, I showcase as much as possible to these men, these young emerging men, what male I'm going to use the term vulnerability. <gasps> okay. Now what does male humility and vulnerability right. look like? Really look like really look like it doesn't look like what a woman's version no, of it looks it like doesn't. the feminine's version is much different. It doesn't. And, and I, I go into this in the book. It's a big, it's a big, uh, you know, um, it's an important point because as they're trying to, as this vulnerability movement has taken over, they are indirectly and directly trying to tell men to be vulnerable in a certain way. And my argument is that that type of vulnerability will not lead males to their true power. Right. Okay. Right. It will not. And the only way to overcome your dragon in life is to find your true power within. Right. Okay. That's it. And that was the final cut, by the way, not the wall. Just just for all you Pink Floyd <laughs> geeks out there, it, it, it dawned on me. So, okay. It makes sense that you are, are you know, branched out on your own. You're doing this one-on-one. -on -one. So right. are you taking clients right now? How are you? You're... How can a parent contact you? Give out your contact info. Sure. Some people are going to want... Parents of boys want to talk. And based on this conversation, you work with... Boys and men. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Emerging men, you know, 18 to 30 is my yeah. target. And what I would say, uh, I think if you're listening to this, um, you can go on my website, which is Velocity Mentoring, um, and take a look at the website. And if you have questions, you know, email me, reach out to me. My, my whole thing is I, I believe that I have a gift you know, to help people through an extremely challenging phase of life, families and these young men. So any way that I can be helpful, I want to be helpful.
in that process. So email address? Uh, it's Gregory at VelocityMentoring.com. Beyond the five major socials? Uh, I am, but the best way is through through the email. Through for, the email. For now. Yeah. Say your email address again then. Gregory at VelocityMentoring.com. Gregory Kufakos? You nailed it. I nailed it. You made a lot of progress. Here, man. <laughs> we're, we're making progress. Look, we're going to do a long show. This is our first time together, not our last. I hope so. I, there's, there's, we got a lot to talk about. We do. And I, and I need you to meet Dr. Clayton Lesser. I looked at his stuff. Yeah. Okay, good. Amazing. And I think I've met him okay. at one of these things. He's and... moving and shaking right now. Okay. I'm going to introduce you to my buddy, Jeff. Okay. Like, like there's, a, there's a lot I have to, to, to offer. Yeah. And starting uh, in, in, a, in a year and a half... Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be getting back into the rites of passage work, nice. um, and I want you involved. I, I nice. could just just sitting across you. I got the feeling your your calmness, your serenity. Nice. You're also married. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so we're, we're in that battle, and I appreciate the stuff you were telling me because you know you can read this shit in a book. Yeah, and you you got to be careful because otherwise you you read something and then it doesn't go your way the first time or the first 10 times. And you're like, well, fuck it. I read, I read on page 32 that, it, that it's that supposed I to be the like cord, this, you know, now. right. And, and if no. you read page 12, he did say, it's not going to work. That's not how the feminine works. Exactly. That thing you did that got her so excited and turned on. That was on never work again. That was on, that was on, uh, you know, September <laughs> 6th. On September right. 7, it doesn't mean shit. Yes, that's right. You, you know? know, so, all right, Gregory. Well, strength and love to you, man. And back at you, strength and, thank and you love. thank you for this. This was really fun to sit down. It's my pleasure. We're going to do We're gonna do a much longer cool, one. We, we have some more pointed conversations to have. Nice. Thanks for being on right, Beyond brother. Risk and Back. All right. This has been another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you so much, parents, for making Beyond Risk and Back a number one parenting podcast. I'd like to thank CCSAD for their support and the opportunity to interview all of these amazing guests for this series. If you have seen Beyond Risk and Back on any of the five major social media sites, you can thank Your Cause Consulting. Your Cause Consulting specializes in marketing companies that have something going on bigger than just running their business. They have a cause. If you'd like to contact Your Cause Consulting, go to yourcauseconsulting at gmail.com. All the sound and the music was engineered and created by Deepin Productions. To reach Deepin Productions, go to deepinproductions at gmail.com. D-E-E-P-E-N productions at gmail.com. This is Aaron Huey. Parents, remember to take care of yourselves first, your adult relationships second, and your children third. In that way, we do our best work with our children. We'll talk again soon.